Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Crimeland. I'm Jeannie J, and today I'm joined by funny man... Owen Calden. Check, 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 check it. Yay! The crowd goes wild! Thank you so much, guys, for supporting me. Oh, and thanks so much for coming in and th- talking all things crime. You're welcome. Thank Would you, you be into the crime? Oh, I love a bit of crime, yeah. Do you? I love a, I love a bit of badness on the street. Oh, you love... See, this is why I asked yeah. you in. Fred did meant have the audacity to say to me last night that wait for it, he mm-hmm. doesn't think crime's that funny. He needs to have a chat with them. He needs to start watching Crime Watch, that TV he, show. Oh, my family, that was the biggest bonding moment we ever, we ever used to have. Oh, and you know the thing with Crime Watch was you always felt like you knew them. Yeah. You always felt like you knew yeah. those guys on CCTV. We were, we were always hoping we knew one of them. Like, you know, it could be... Is that Probably a cousin because, of ours? Yeah, yeah. They always had the look of a cousin. Yeah, Didn't they? they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Crime Watch was a good one. I would put Crime Watch on a par with... The other Baywatch. it wasn't really a show I was gonna say the other show I found equally terrifying. But you remember the Power City ads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, red. They were yes. red, weren't they? Yeah. So the red was aggressive. It was a small touch, yeah. And it would always be red against like just a black mm. backdrop. Like you know what the in banged up abroad and you're trying to work out are they still in prison? Yeah. There's just the black curtain. Why were they trying to instigate them? that kind of uh, negativity on us? Yeah, and they were always saying things like get in the car. Mm-hmm. Forget the kids and get down to Power City. City. Like, it was so intense. And I would just be clinging to my mother's legs mm-hmm. saying, please don't this, leave this me for Power there, City. Like washing machines and stuff. Is Power City still going? I, th- so, I, I think there's one up in Mount Square. There's okay. a really because they don't want to be burning brands. No, listen, if they're out there and they want to give me a new job, <laughs> I know I'll do it anyway. I think <laughs> there is a Power City on Mount yeah, yeah. Square. Yeah. And I have to say, I do, I don't know. Is it is it usual in the heart of a capital city that you'd have like electrics and furniture stores within the city itself, like the very centre? I think it's I always not as common as it used to be. Like industrial estates and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think so. But maybe maybe for the local community, people might want a washing machine. You know, it might break down and well, just look, like pop along to Power City. If it's serving the people, the good people mm-hmm. of Mountjoy Square, I'm happy with that. Um, so Power City, please get in touch. Uh, now today we're discussing the 1983. May's p- prison break. Mm-hmm. Did you watch the movie? Um, Titanic? Oh, stop! Ah! He's here all weekend. Um, <laughs> the maze. The maze with good old Nidge. No, I didn't watch it, I don't think. Oh, it's very, very I feel good. bad now because I, I should have done my research. No, but... I'm glad you didn't mm-hmm. watch it. Um, okay. Because, you know what, it's very annoying then when you're doing something and somebody comes along with an actual fact. And they know more than you. That's the worst thing. I'm like, okay, you yeah. need to quiet down over there. Yeah. Um, no, it's a great film though. So it uh, was directed by Stephen Burke and I think it's on Netflix. Mm. So I watched that in terms of research. I watched it again. I did watch it a couple of years ago, but I did watch it again. Also, uh, another source, which I'm just going to reference here, uh, 
great article called The Maze Escape, The Biggest Jailbreak in UK History by Gordon Adair. Uh, and he wrote that for the BBC News. And I also watched um, a, a documentary on YouTube. And actually, the channel seemed to be Rebels Ireland. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably on some kind of CIA hit list now. <laughs> but it was a great documentary anyway. Um, so I'd recommend that one as well. So HM Prison Maze, which was you a bit alive in 83, by the I way. Was, I was... Probably in the process of becoming alive because uh. I was I was born in eighty four, so there was around there was a month there in um, in nineteen eighty three where my parents would have been going at it missionary style oh, to have stop. me. You know, listen, of course, July, actually, we, you know, do you know what? July. We thank them. We thank, thank you them so much, Mum and Dad. What, what July in nineteen? So no, well, I'm born in May, so May, June, July, yeah, whatever. August. Yeah, so you were, you were around. Like, you were on the scene. Yeah. Uh, I'm December 83. Mm. So I would have, I would have been, I would have been on the scene Do you have trouble with presents over well. Christmas? Do people, like, buy you two? Uh, yeah, well, I'm the 13th of December, so if anyone's to just uh, send on the checks, I find being the 13th of December, it's incredibly cheeky of mm-hmm. people to give me a singular present, but they do it. It's bullshit. Yeah. I think they should. It is. I mean, I think a Christmas Eve, baby, I'm sorry, but you're going to get one present. Yeah. It's a bit unfair, though. I think we should, maybe maybe you could make a stand this year, put up a Facebook status and I say, could do a Facebook oh, the status. boom is back after all. People have money to spend. They do. I know. And I'm fe- feeling under increased pressure. You know, the way people are doing that thing on Facebook now where they're like, don't give me a present, mm. just give, cha- give money to charity. To charity. Yeah. And I'm like, like, is that a gimmick? But I'm the charity. Yeah, yeah. Like, charity I'm the poor person. You should, you should help here. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, I would say as well, you know, I'd always feel sorry for the people in my life who, you know, are born like the 23rd, 24th, because they always want to go for the drinks for their birthday. Yeah. You're yeah, like, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. guys, but it's not happening. <laughs> but you know, like they, their 30th was always at like fucking midnight on Christmas Eve. Like it yeah. was always a pain in the absolute arse. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a great night in New Year's Eve. It seems like a good night on paper because everyone's going to be there in the pub counting yeah. down whatever. But then it just ends up you're in a busy nightclub. You're like, where the fuck is everyone? And it's like five, four, three. And you're like, I'm on my own drinking in a corner. You're always. Why does that happen? It's, it doesn't matter whether you're single in a relationship with a group of people, mm-hmm. you always end up alone yeah, it's at midnight. It's happened to me so many times. Ah, uh, Owen. I I, but it does, it does happen, though. I don't understand why. Okay. HM Prison Maze was considered one of the most escape-proof prisons in Europe. As well as a 15-foot fence, each H-block was encompassed by an 18-foot concrete wall topped with barbed wire, and all gates in the complex were made of solid steel and electronically operated. Sounds a lot like many national schools in Ireland in the 1980s. It Would does, you agree? Yeah, with the kind of glass on the top wall. Yeah, just a bit of friendly barbed wire. I, I like to think um, we had barbed wire in our school, and I like to think it wasn't so much keeping us in keeping as it out. was keeping us from getting out. The scary people out. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. I like. I just like to look at it in a yeah. positive way. You had barbed wire around your school. Ah, yeah, but that's another story. So prisoners had been planning the mean streets of North Kildare. Prisoners had been planning the escape for several months. Uh, so it was essentially a prison within a prison within an army camp. Wow. That is uh, like the Matrix. Yeah, it is a bit Matrixy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this documentary that I watched, um, which was quite up the ra, but it was, you know, like, I mean, would you blame them? Like they are talking about the maze prison escape. Brendan McFarlane, uh, he was one of the escapees. He talked about the fact that obviously it goes out saying people in there were serving like 30, 20 years. So they kind of had nothing else to focus on. Yeah, so they said to themselves, you know what, let's try at least get out. I probably, I would have tried to. You would. I mean, what else are you doing with your day? Probably playing hopscotch or drinking but you have the chalk, though, even. You probably wouldn't even have... Well, they might give you chalk back in the days. you know what? You probably have to use pebbles. Isn't that so yeah, sad? Yeah, that is very sad. Oh, I, I definitely... Gosh. If that I was in sad. prison for life, the first thing I'd try and do is get out. <laughs> As in, like, I would be trying <laughs> anything. Why, why, I actually... It's probably controversial to say this, but I don't understand why more people don't try to escape prison. Probably so hard, and, and maybe yeah, some of them have got a better life easy. in there. Yeah, it's like it could be cause enough if you're well, getting three meals a day and you've you know got a nice what? TV. That's actually very true, and I guess you probably do adjust to the new reality as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever thought about life? Like, have Go you ever prison. imagined yourself in prison? You have. I have, course. yeah, but it's always I always win in the story. It's always like something kicks off and I come out of my jail cell. Oh, and yeah. You start battering lads, and then the prison wardens are like, "You can get out of here now." <laughs> 
Then I get out and I get married to my child. They say sweetheart. this was a test, and you're mm. actually a good guy, so now you can leave. Um, okay. Do you remember the show Prison Break? Actually? Yeah, yeah, I do. The guy had a tattoo on his back. Yeah, the kind yeah. of like two sexy hunks that were imprisoned. They were gorgeous, and I. But did it come back for a second series? I think it came back again, but I don't think it. No, it's definitely second series. It was a few. Because I remember, well, I watched the first series when I was living in Australia and I had uh, weaseled my way into a government position. But I just remember I would have to be home for prison break. And we were mm-hmm. living with, I think it was a two bedroom apartment. I mean, it was so great. Like we infested the place. There was like, I think four or five lads in one bedroom. There were oh. five girls in another. Okay, right. Yeah, it was full on. But we'd all sit around on our blow up mattresses every evening and watch prison break. I say it was a great time, was it? Oh, do you know what? It was great old crack. I'd say you've got great memories like, of it. I can only do it for a year. Did you ever do Australia? I never did Australia, but I've often shared a house with more than 10 people. Yeah. In Galway and, and even Dublin. It's uh, intense. It is it? intense. Yeah. I lived with about 10 Polish people before in, in wow. Galway. It was great crack. And tell me, uh, yeah, I don't know. Could I do it long term though? Long term, I know it wears on you because there's always someone in some room. You're like, oh. fuck, I've got nowhere to go. I mean, initially you can throw a towel up on the bunk bed and it's instant room. Isn't it? How do you mean? You know when you drop the towel down if you're on the bottom bunk mm-hmm. and it's just an inst- instant... Oh, you mean like sort of a little canopy? It's an instant room so you yeah. have your own space but it's still not quite sufficient. But we have, in terms of living with other people, we have just a one room space at the moment. Like a studio? It's kind of a studio so mm-hmm. it's very much like if you're fighting with someone it's like, okay, well, if you're looking for me I'm going to be in the right corner. Yeah, I gotcha. And he's in the left corner. So when you're cooking you can smell the cooking from the bed? Can you watch? You're mm-hmm. practically, I'm cooking from the bed, Owen. That's what so I'm doing. Larry Marley was in charge of the escape. I mean, sounds like a name you trust. trust. Larry Marley. Larry, Larry Marley. He's a troublemaker. And he said about organising and all and the thing is, that it was like this really large camp so they used to move them around in blacked out vans mm-hmm. the prisoners because their whole thing was that they wanted to deny the prisoners they basically didn't want them to know or understand the layout of the place mm. um, so they were kind of trying to deny them knowledge in that kind of way and the prisoners when they kind of started to think about this escape their first thing was they were like okay we need to find out what this place actually looks like mm-hmm. because obviously they were just familiar with like the wings but yeah. they wanted to get an idea of the shape of it so they got people to like smuggle in like maps aerial photos all that kind of crack mm-hmm. just to get an outside view of it Wow so it's a long term thing and, and I often wonder with these things where are the guys who are like sort of investigating or figuring out this the maps and everything else are they just like is that their part time job or how are they getting paid for that? Oh, yeah, I mean, I presume they're getting paid. They're on the dole? Yeah, it, you'd question. You'd wonder I mean, where, where the coin is coming from. They'd have to get a bit of coin, They'd have to, sh- like, to, mean, to pay for the sandwiches every day and the delis that they're going out to when they're taking a break from this investigation Those work. Those sandwiches aren't paying for themselves. No. So they made them, basically, the prisoners came up with this plan. They made themselves available for work to kind of try to infiltrate the system. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Brendan's story in this uh, video, who, of course, again, was one of the escapees, he talks about the fact like they started off with saying, OK, let's just see, can we get five men out? Mm-hmm. And Larry Marley was the one who was like, no, like, let's think big. Like, why don't why don't we talk about like getting 40, 50, 60 out? So he was the guy with the big plan. Um, so the plan began with a radical move. And what they were what they were trying to do from the outset was they changed tactics. Mm-hmm. So they tried to build kind of a warm working relationship with the prison staff and create kind of a friendly environment. And the whole idea was that like they used first names and stuff to create a bit of a softness. And that was kind of crucial for the psychology behind the plan. Mm. Um, so they were doing the whole thing of, do you want a cup of tea? Like, Dave. Do you want a cup of tea, Dave? Mm-hmm. They used to actually, because one of the lads in this documentary talked about the fact like they made a bit of a joke out of, uh, the whole first name thing. So, mm-hmm. like, obviously, the prisoners were being referred to by their surnames, and they would make a joke about it and say, "Ah, listen, Bobby, would you ever relax?" Kind yeah. of crack. And that did kind of break down the barriers. Then, of course, like the prison officers dropped, like you know, a lot of caution, and they were, I guess, because obviously they were all men of a similar age, mm-hmm. probably had more in common than they cared to admit. So For they sure. would be talking about like kids, families. You know, like the football. The football was a big one, actually. That's a big anchoring point for men. It is, yeah. Not to generalise, but so I hear. But you'd imagine as a prison warden, you would have been told if people start saying your name too often or they start talking to you very cosily about your kids, just kind of change or get away. Well, I guess it was 
all very incremental. Mm. So I, you know, wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't like, you know, that these lads just rocked into the nerve centre one day and were like, how many kids do you have? Where do you live? Yeah, how yeah, much yeah. do you pay? What like, do you take your tea? Just all very subtle, yeah, subtle, okay. incremental. Um, so they dropped an insane amount of caution and they started to let Republicans into the nerve centre of the H-block and that nerve centre is called the circle centre mm-hmm. um, and that's like if you can imagine obviously the H-block is uh, shaped like a H and it's like the middle of the H was where everything was controlled. It's the operating sort of area is it? Yeah. With all the cameras and so, stuff. Yeah so they mm-hmm. let the Republicans in and they were orderlies they were cleaning you know they'd be getting the tea and toast. Like is that a camera there Seamus? Is that, yeah. So all that toast? kind of <laughs> So all that kind of crack. So, I mean, look, it was an, it was a Daniel Day-Lewis level mm-hmm. of performance here mm-hmm. on behalf of the Republicans. So the prisoners manipulated the staff working over months. And to be fair, you know, if a convicted killer is offering you a cup of tea, I think you should be asking questions straight away. Yeah, don't be drinking the tea at all either. But they were, yeah, I mean, they were obviously coming at them with the chocolate digestives or something. I don't know. But look, what what you should take from this is really be careful from whom you accept tea from because you just don't know what the motivations are. You can't trust them. Have you ever felt manipulated by a cup of tea? Um, yeah, definitely. But sort of in a more like, in more of a way where my girlfriend might say to me, you're really good at making tea. And I'm like, oh, am I? Watch this. Okay. And then I'll run in and put on the kettle and I'll be like, you're getting I, tea for the next say, week. I I fucking love your girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That me, is, me too. Has she watched this film? She must have watched uh, this film. She and probably taken has. Out. Yeah, she watches a lot more stuff than me. There is a lot of that. Uh, a lot of sitting on the couch uh, with your partner. Mm-hmm. He's wrapped up and cozy. And yeah. there's a lot of throwing out there. Is there any tea happening? Just kind of a very loaded question. Yeah. But I like I like your girlfriend's style. Yeah, and she tends to choose everything as well because if I choose anything, normally I get the choice to choose something. But then when I choose it, it's like. Nah. That's the wrong choice. It's the wrong choice. Oh, you're I given love a it. choice of you know two things, and there's one wrong choice. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a high five on behalf of your girlfriend. That's for your girlfriend. We love her. Um, so yes, uh, be care- very careful with the tea lads. So basically, their plan, which is insane, their plan was to drive out the front gate, and the H block contained four self-contained prisons known as wings. And as we said, they were controlled by the circle, so you'd have to take the circle first. The idea was they were going to take the circle, get the lads into the lorry, mm-hmm. and then they were just going to drive out the front gate. Now, eighteen months earlier, the prison had gained notoriety during the hunger strikes Thatcher had said there would be no political status for prisoners do you remember what they were protesting about when the hunger strikes um, I mean there was a lot going on but the uniforms they weren't happy about wearing the uniforms because mm-hmm. they were saying we are soldiers we're prisoners of war we're not criminals and Thatcher was like no you're you're wearing that jumpsuit yeah that I am um, I'm sorry, I don't know anything about that. No problem. (laughs) They decided. No, I'm like, thank God, because we're against the clock. They decided they needed guns so as to ensure the prison officers would surrender immediately. The IRA, 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 listen to me. Like, I've been watching one I'm a Celebrity episode, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, (laughs) IRA gave the plan the green light. Now, the guns were smuggled inside, and they still refused to say how it was done. Like, guns are hard to smuggle inside prisons. How would you get them inside? I know they used to put I stuff wonder. inside cakes and stuff like that. Give them like different yeah. keys and like screwdrivers. But how the fuck do you get a gun how into a How would you get a pistol into Swiss roll? I don't know. But you know, maybe nowadays they could probably use drones. Well, I, I don't know how they actually manage to get past the drones. Like mm-hmm. the drones are just... It's a different level. It's a different level, isn't yeah. it? Uh, like, yeah. So, I mean, obviously they wouldn't have drones then. So I don't know. Who knows how they got them in. Maybe but underground, no? An old tunnel. An old tunnel. Shove it like and then package in a few guns in a Kikini football. I mean I guess probably bag. back in the day I would think the main way they got shit in was through the prison guards. Yeah, probably. Uh, just like everyone can be off. corrupted, you know? Oh sure look. When you cross your hand with enough silver, you're gonna do anything. So <laughs> Probably they were get given pistols to to smuggle yeah, in. Yeah, I would say so. So Sunday was the chosen day. Because what else are you doing on a Sunday? A bit of mass, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just not... Like, ever since... um, Ever since Seventh Heaven went off our screens, Seventh my Sunday Heaven. is empty. I like, know. Like, it's just a void. Did, did, the, did the father of that show get done for something recently? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I wouldn't have trusted him now. I mean, do you remember when Jessica Biel did the sexy, sexy um, photo shoot and then they oh, framed yeah. her. They were like, you're out of the show. Mm-hmm. 
and you're going out um, with under clouds of shame mm-hmm. because we're going to say that you went mental and you burnt the or she didn't burn but she trashed the basketball court. Mm. Of, of what? Where her house? Like in well in the show they were like because mm-hmm. you know remember her character was ah, always yeah, yeah. into the basketball. So I, I vaguely remember the show. You seem to know quite a lot about it. That's fine too. <laughs> Owen's like, that's the last time I engaged casually <laughs> with the name of the show. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so the 25th of September 1983 was the day Brendan McFarlane took the names of the prison officers on Jimshi because they needed 12 prison officers. Uh, they were going to take their uniforms and they needed to make sure that the uniforms were going to fit because mm-hmm. you wouldn't want the jacket to be too snug. No, you'd want, you'd want like a bit of space for moving just, around. Yeah, of Being course. Nippy, you know? Yeah, you know, you need a bit of room there. Uh, so they'd said that, which of course is Murphy's all, that the only prison officer that they felt was going to cause them trouble was John Murphy. And of course, who was actually working that day? Fucking John, John Murphy. Murphy. Uh, so bumper was the co- code word for all systems go. 90 second countdown uh uh, there would be a 90 second countdown where Bobby Story and his team would capture four prison officers all gathered in one room. So this was the whole uh, was the whole How many plan. prisoner how many prison wardens were there for the whole place? Oh, I don't know, but there was a bit of a problem because they messed it up in that uh, they actually were a little bit delayed mm-hmm. with the plan because it's never going to go to plan. Of course. And then they actually ended up uh, kind of doing it at the time that there was the change of duty. Mm-hmm. So there was way more prison guards mm-hmm. than they thought there was going to be. Okay. Um, so basically, they took the this little room with the four prison officers first in the nerve centre. John Adams was in the control room and this there was one room which was a blind spot and it was actually ladies toilet so John Adams tried to raise the alarm uh, when somebody basically emerged from the ladies toilet and the lads who were armed with the pistols and were trying to take this Mm -hmm. place got a little bit startled because you wouldn't be expecting anyone coming out of the ladies toilet would you really in May's prison not really no no it's gonna I mean it's just gonna take you by surprise so in that moment John Kelly actually fired shots so he was obviously one of the great name John Kelly John Kelly good name Uh, so shortly after 2.30pm on 25th of September prisoners seized control of the H7 by simultaneously taking the prison officers hostage at gunpoint in order to prevent them from triggering an alarm one officer was stabbed with a knife and another was knocked by a blow to the head, a uh, blow to the back of the head. And then uh, the guy who was shot was actually shot in the head by a guy called Jerry Kelly. But he did survive, thank God. Thank God he did. And you know, actually, when Jerry Kelly talked about it in the show, I thought it was interesting because he said, like, he sat, kind of sat down beside him and was like, what did you do that for? And your man was like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. they had this moment of, for fuck's sake, like, just mm-hmm. this moment of being human in it together. Yeah. Like, Jerry saying, I didn't want to shoot you. Why did you do that? I don't fucking know. Like, it just kind of shows the ridiculousness of but it all. But we've all well. have the ability to kill somebody, don't you think, you know? Do you think so, Owen? Oh, definitely. We all have the good yin and yang inside us. I do think there are certain crimes you could never imagine yourself doing, but I think we've all... Yeah. We've all gone there, have we, mentally? We've all had flashes of the darkness yeah, but walking like, down I the main streets. I think most people could probably see themselves in the right circumstances killing someone. Like if it was oh, self-defense yeah. no or problem. something. No problem at all. Yeah, I've, I've probably experienced that 10 times this year. Have you killed before? Not yet, no. Yay! Okay. So, unbelievably, by 2.50pm, the prisoners were in control of H7 without an alarm being raised. 12 prisoners also took uniforms from the officers and the officers were forced to hand over their car keys and details of where their cars were mm-hmm. for possible later hijacking. And then this guy was left behind to watch over the hostages. And he was to keep the alarm from being raised until they believed the escapees were clear of the prison, which I just think is a bit of a shit deal. Very shit. He must have been getting paid more or something because... I wonder. It was this guy. Um, yeah, I think... No, I was going to say I think it was McFarlane who had to stay behind. But there was a guy in the documentary I watched and he was saying, yeah, I didn't mind staying behind because I was doing it for the lads. What a but I fucking mind. Oh, yeah, I'd be gone with the lads. Oh, my God. You're standing there. Yeah. Ooh. 3.25pm, a lorry delivering food supplies arrived at the entrance to H7. So whereupon Brendan McFarlane and other prisoners took the occupants hostage at gunpoint and moved them inside uh, H7. The lorry driver was told that the lorry is being used in the escape and he was instructed what route to take and how to react if challenged. And then uh, Story told the driver, this man, 
Jerry Kelly is doing 30 years and he will shoot you without hesitation if he has to. He has nothing left to lose. So actually the driver of the Larry, it was interesting because he cooperated which you would, I mm-hmm. presume, straight away. Yeah. But then the lads actually showed him. They said, listen, this is actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, like, and the language used is interesting. So they viewed this as a military operation. So they were using language language like saying to the prison officers, you're under arrest. Yeah. So this is how they... Mm kind of spoke to... How they viewed the, what they were doing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cause, so they were kind of approaching it uh, in that way. And the, the driver of the Larry, uh, he uh, he cooperated straight away. And when he was shown the map, so they were saying, look, this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You're going to drive us out the front gate. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, just so you know, your maps are a bit off. And mm-hmm. I'm saying that because I don't want you to freak if I'm not going to go the way you think I'm going to go. So he was just straight away, like all cool, calm, collected, mm-hmm okay, we need to just go along with this. 3.50pm. So like this is all like happening so quickly. 25 minutes later, the prisoners left H7 and the driver in a prison orderly were taken back to the lorry and the driver's foot was tied to the clutch. 37 prisoners climbed into the back of the lorry. So I mean, that's like the house you were living in. Yes, yeah. (laughs) A lot of people. (laughs) While Jerry Kelly lay on the floor of the cab. Jerry Kelly, I don't like that name because it reminds me of that guy up the north who had the TV show. But you know what? My parents, it's their new obsession, Jerry Kelly. That, He's that still on. Because for wow. some reason, I'm not quite sure of the context, but my dad keeps quoting him whereby they were having some huge debate about Brexit. And in the midst of it all, Jerry Kelly jumped in. So, well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go off and get four ice creams. <laughs> and my dad keeps co- quoting this like, oh, no, he's very good. He very must good have, communicator. He must, have lo- he must have lost it, though, if he's gone off buying four, four ice creams. Four? What do you think, Ben? Owen. They would, of course, and he's a big man, though. I just don't understand. Well, apparently, I also pointed this out to Dad. I said, I don't know, should he be eating four ice creams? And yeah. Dad said, and that's not me fat shaming. I don't think any of us should be eating four ice creams, but I think especially, <laughs> especially Jerry Kelly shouldn't be eating four. And Dad, who's got a bit of a punch himself, was very defensive and informed me Jerry Kelly's lost a lot of weight. Oh, well, congrats to Jerry Kelly on that one. But we're still now watching the show. No. Uh, 3.50 a.m. Uh, for 3.50 a.m. It's 12 hours later. They're still in the lorry. 3.50pm anyway, this is all happening. They'd left the H7 and Jerry Kenny was kind of chatting to, again, what I thought was kind of funny. He was kind of chatting to the driver. So the lads are in the back. Jerry Kenny's got the gun pointed at the driver mm-hmm. and he's, the driver seemed like a bit of banter. Mm. So Jerry's like, oh, you know, are you married? Uh, like, do you have kids? Like, oh, how much are you paid to do this job? And the driver said... Give the whole lot away. Not enough. Okay. And they had a bit of a giggle. All right. Which I think is probably, from a comedian's point of view, that's your best review ever, isn't it? That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That means maybe he he went from there to comedy after that. I honestly, I think, you know, definitely an open mic. Uh, So the driver and the prison orderly uh, were, were, uh, they were back in the the lorry. The driver's foot was tied to the clutch. The 37 lads are in the back. At nearly 4pm, the lorry drove towards the main gate of the prison where the prisoners intended to take over the gatehouse. Ten prisoners dressed in guards' uniforms and armed with guns and chisels dismounted dismounted from the lorry and entered the gatehouse where they took the off officers hostage um, now so what happened you see the problem with the gatehouse which was known as the tally lodge they went in there the lads are having their cup of tea mm-hmm. but this is all taking a little bit longer than mm-hmm. they'd anticipated some people were dilly dallying yeah so this is now coinciding with the change of duty change of guards which is not ideal so they essentially have doubled the amount of guards that they thought they would so why did they stop at the next checkpoint when they just like drive straight through well they had to because that was where you clocked in and out mm. so the driver basically there were three gates they got through the first two mm-hmm. no problem but it was this it was uh, this tally lodge was where the problem was gotcha. so they this is where they essentially clocked in and out so uh-huh. the lads would have to like the lorry driver would have to stop there. Um, and then they went inside. Uh, they explained the situation, how everyone was under arrest. But because there were so many of them, uh, an officer pressed the alarm button. So they were all lying on the floor. An officer p- pressed the alarm button under the TV. And at that moment, of course, Ooh. they didn't realise that the alarm had been pressed. They got a call into the tally lodge from inside the prison saying, 
uh, or was it inside the, from somewhere? I think it was somewhere within the prison. They rang to say that alarm has just gone off in the tally lodge. Mm-hmm. So they made one of the officers obviously answer the phone and they were like, if you say anything suspicious, like obviously we're going to blow your head clean off your shoulders. We're going to blow your head clean off your You have to be at that point because they're nearly out. You have to be strict. Imagine like how much you would be fucking perspiring. Like you're this oh close to freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically uh, they, they, they rang in to say, oh yeah, the alarm has been pressed. It's the alarm onto the television. So uh, Jerry Kelly was saying at that moment, all the lads started shifting away from the TV, like as in I didn't oh, press okay, it because gotcha. they're all on the floor. And the officer who answered the phone tried to get help because what he said was, so the guy on the other end was like, just fucking reset it. Mm-hmm. And uh, your man said, oh, I don't know how to reset it. Cute enough because he wanted people to come and look. Was Cute, it? yeah. Uh-huh. So. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Your man just didn't pick up. Obviously, he was trying to give him a signal. Your man didn't, on the other end, obviously, emotional intelligence was not his forte. And he just said, mm-hmm. just fucking reset the thing and hung up. And he was like, I might need someone down here to sort of, you know, get the button working yes. again. Could you come down today? No. Exactly. So he didn't pick up on the signs at all. Very Irish. Didn't pick up on, on the nuance there. And of course, at this moment, the officer was arriving for work. We're entering the gatehouse from outside the prison and each was ordered at gunpoint to join the other hostages. Officers James, James Ferris ran from the gatehouse towards the pedestrian get- gate, attempting to raise the alarm. And he was pursued by Dermot Finucane, uh, who will come back to Ferris, had already been stabbed three times and collapsed before he could raise the alarm. Uh, Finucane continued to the pedestrian gate where he stabbed the officer controlling the gate. So things are getting pretty crazy. They're getting now. a bit naughty now, yeah. They're getting a bit hairy. Two officers who had just entered the prison uh, uh, were also stabbed. This incident was seen. Now, this is kind of funny. So, in, well, not funny, but just mad. So this was all being watched by a soldier, a British soldier on duty in the watchtower, like was just above them. Mm-hmm. But of course, from his point of view, what did it look like? It looked like all the prison officers were fighting with each other okay. because the lads were wearing the uniforms. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. he didn't get involved. So, and, so he was... He wasn't the brightest tool in the box either. I mean, look, none of us are winning medals for bravery here. Yeah. Um, so he, anyway, the operations room telephoned the prison's emergency control room, which replied that everything was grand and that an alarm had accidentally been triggered because, of course, that's what your man had said in the tally lodge when they rang in, mm-hmm. even though, of course, he only said that because there was a gun to his head, literally. At 4.12 p.m., so like this is, we're talking, a very busy hour on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. 4.12pm, the alarm was raised uh, when an officer in the gatehouse pushed the prisoner holding him hostage out of the room and telephoned the ECR. However, this was not done soon enough enough to prevent the escape. After several attempts, the prisoners had opened the main gate and were waiting for the prisoners still in the gatehouse to rejoin them in the lorry. At this time, two prison officers blocked the exit with their cars. So, like, fair play to the prison officers as well. Very good. That is fucking gutsy, isn't it? They're putting their life on the line there, you know? They got in the car, the cars so that they couldn't actually drive out with the lorry forcing the prisoners to abandon the lorry and now so at this stage it's kind of all gone to shit at this so they're legging it are they they're legging it Mm. and they just basically ran yeah four prison officers four prisoners I should say attacked one of the officers and hijacked his car which they drove through the external gate they crashed into a car near the gate and abandoned the car two escaped through the gate one was captured exiting the car and another was captured after being chased by the soldier oh no so he got caught before he even left yeah at the main gate a prison officer was shot in the leg and he was interviewed in this documentary actually while chasing the only the only two prisoners who had not yet reached the outer fence 
They were the lads not quite good on the, the good enough when it came to the bleep test. I gotcha. Do you remember the bleep test? Yeah, yeah, scale? back and forth in a community centre. Yeah, unfortunately, they, they would have failed the bleep test. The prisoner who fired the shot was captured after being shot and wounded by a soldier in a watchtower. The other prisoner was captured after falling. And then uh, by 4.18pm, 4, 4, the main gate was closed and the prison secured after 35 prisoners had breached the prison perimeter. Mm. The escape was the biggest in both British and Irish history and the biggest in Europe since World War II. Not to brag, but outside the prisoner, <laughs> the, a prison, the IRA had planned a logistical support operation involving 100 members. Mm-hmm. Now, this is crazy. Due to a miscalculation of five minutes the prisoners found no transport waiting for them oh no where, yeah. where was the transport meant to be well it was supposed to be it was supposed to be outside outside the the lockup. the prison yeah so they had to flee across the fields or hijack cars mm-hmm. imagine wouldn't you be so fucking pissed off like the IRA had one job to be outside waiting on you you got out of the fucking prison I just want a lift yeah Exactly. We've done the hard part. Just get For the fucking bus sake. driver so down So then here. they just started running across basically the fields. The army and the RUC obviously activated a contingency plan. By 4.25, a cordon of vehicle checkpoints were in place and others were in place across the north. Uh, so it was very widespread, resulting in the recapture of one prisoner mm. by 11. Okay. Not that impressive, really. Not really, no. 20 prison officers were injured during the escape. 13 were kicked and beaten, four stabbed and two shot. And the poor fella, uh, James Ferris, who'd been stabbed, died after suffering a heart attack during the escape. Oh, no. What age? Very sad. I don't know, but I think it struck me that they all seemed to be kind of in their 30s, 40s. His mate, he was the same age as him. Um, I'm very bad at gauging ages, but I'd say he was maybe in his early 70s in this documentary. But Mm -hmm. he was saying, it was just obviously just, the shock of it all got a heart attack and died um, so the escape was a propaganda coup and morale boost for the IRA with Irish Republicans dubbing it the great escape our old mate Ian Paisley called on Nicholas Scott uh, the parliamentary undersecretary of state for Northern Ireland to resign Margie Thatcher made a statement on, on Ottawa do you remember this she said it's it's the gravest breakout in our present history yeah. there must be very deep deep inquiry after the escape uh, obviously James Pryor announced an inquiry would be held. Uh, the Hennessy report was published in 1984, placed most of the blame, which no surprises, for the escape on the prison staff and made a series of recommendations. Uh, the report also played, placed the blame uh, with the designers of the prison. Uh, four days after the Hennessy report was published, Nicholas Scott, who was the Minister for Prisons, dismissed allegations uh, that the escape was due to political interference in the running of the pri- of the prison. On the 25th of October 1984, 19 prisoners appeared in court on charges relating to the death of prison officer James Ferris. 16 were charged with his murder. A pathologist determined that the stab wounds Ferris su- suffered would not have killed a healthy man. But I mean still, like he was still stabbed. Yeah. Do you know what There's I mean? There's a good chance you're going to die there. Like, okay. The judge acquitted <laughs> all 16 as he could not correlate the stabbing due to, uh, due to the, the... He could not correlate whether or not the stabbing or the heart attack had killed him. Now, the escapees. So 15 <laughs> were captured on the day, including four. Now, this is mad. They were hiding underwater in a river using reeds to breathe. Wow. Isn't that mad? So how did they get caught? By like prison, prisoner officers and dogs t- and stuff? So basically, which I actually think, to be honest, is very impressive in terms of the RUC. They noticed, one guy apparently noticed, he noticed the ripples were a little mm-hmm. bit off. Wow. So they went down and sure enough, they could actually see the lads underwater. Mm. Isn't that crazy? I mean, the idea they went underwater with reeds or whatever, that's a good idea. But the way they got caught was even better. But I would have just kept running. I would have just kept running. Well, do you know what? Because they ran across a field and then the field was kind of at the river. Mm. I mean, I would have thought maybe swimming across would have been an idea. Swim across, go down the river, keep moving forward, jump into ditches. Just get as far away as you can. Get into a 
town or city. You've done this before, Owen. I have. I'm actually on the run as we speak. <laughs> but you know what as well? I just think it's so sad because if that had been a canal or maybe something a little bit more polluted, mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't have spotted them. It's such a minute detail, yeah. I think our rivers are just too clean. That's the problem. But imagine rivers. looking down and you could just see them really clearly. Like in the <laughs> water, they're waving up. Oh, you got me. You got me, fuckers. Uh, so yeah, four more escapees were captured over the next two days, including Hugh Corey and Patrick McIntyre, who were uh, who were captured following a two-hour siege at an isolated farmhouse. Out of the remaining 19, 18 ended up in South Armagh, which, as we know, is a Republican stronghold, uh, where two members of the IRA were in charge of transporting them to safe houses and given the option of either returning to active service in the IRA's armed campaign or a job, a new job and a new identity in the United States. I know what I'd go for. What would you go for? Of course, a new job and a new identity in the US. Yeah. Would you keep fighting with the lads? I mean, the fact that they're already in prison for their, you know, whatever crimes or whatever you like They're to call obviously it. pretty serious about this. They're so very like. staunch about it. So maybe they were, I'm sure someone went straight back into it. Well, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. Escapee Kieran Fleming drowned in the Banner River near Kesh. Oh, so he kind of tried to do what you were yeah. recommending there, which is yeah. swim down which, the river. Which means I, I probably would have drowned, you know. No, Owen, I like to think. I would have survived. You're, yeah. Yeah. Started, up, my, started up a comedy career. <laughs> The first man What's in the IRA that? to start comedy. <laughs> near Kesh. Okay, so he drowned near Kesh in December 1984 while attempting to escape an ambush by the SAS uh, in which fellow IRA member Anton McGullough was killed. Jared McDonough was captured in Glasgow in 85. So like he'd been out for maybe a year and a half. Oh, along a, I, with I, I always hate the idea of getting caught a few years later because Glasgow... Which, you know, is probably not the best place to go to after because that's yeah. you know, a lot of that kind of stuff goes on up there too. But I would have just went off to Spain or somewhere like that and I just would have grown a little tash, well, dye a, black. A couple of, well, and a lot of people in Spain, a lot of expats are running from shit. True. Maybe so not Spain, maybe, very, maybe Lagos in, in Nigeria. Well, a, co- a couple of people actually did go to uh, Amsterdam. So mm-hmm. they, the lads anywhere were captured in Glasgow. And then Seamus McElwain was killed by the SAS in Ross Lay in April 1986. So again, he'd kind of gotten maybe a couple of years out mm-hmm. of it. Jerry Kelly and Brendan McFarlane were returned to prison in, in December 1986 after being extradited from the Netherlands, where they had been arrested in January, leaving 12 escapees still on the run. But I just would have thought, like, even when I saw the photos of them and I was watching the footage now of them being arrested in Amsterdam, I probably would have been calling the cops on them myself. Why? Because they just, for me, they just didn't look like the fun kids you would associate with Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. They stood out? Well, they were serious because obviously they were on the run. Yeah, yeah. They're always watching over their shoulder too. Yeah. Do you know, I just feel, I, I don't know. Look, maybe there was a huge expat Irish population in Amsterdam in the 80s. But I just think, would you not kind of stand out like uh, as a sore thumb? So as, you, you would have called the cops in Amsterdam if you've seen them walking on the street? I think I would have. Ah, oh, Julie. No judgment please Patrick McCartney <laughs> was killed by the SAS uh, in May 1987 and that was actually the IRA's biggest single loss of life since the 1920s in November 1987 Paul Kane and one of the masterminds of the escape Dermot Finucane a brother of do you remember Belfast solicitor Pat Finucane mm. uh, would be shot dead, dead by the UDA in 1989 which is the UDA it's like just to their mates that's what they call them Ulster, Ulster Defence Association. Association yeah uh, well done. We're arrested in County Longford. Oh, no. Of all places. The, I know. The, the main bus station in, in Central Ireland. But look, they've got a centre parks now. So it's definitely a place worth oh, visiting. centre parks? Centre parks in Longford. What's that? You know, come on now, Owen. I swear Owen. to God, I, I don't the know. The centre parks. You know, the whole, it's like a Butlins, but it's in a park. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. I must you, go there. You would fucking love it, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, it's not a great place to go if you're on the run, but it is a nice place to go if you fancy a holiday with the fam. <laughs> Robert Russell was extradited back to the North Ireland in 1988 after being captured in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Paul Kane uh, followed in 1989. In March 1990, the Supreme Court, this surprised me, Supreme Court of Ireland in Dublin blocked the extradition of James Clark and Dermot Finucane on the they would prob- be probable targets for ill treatment by prison staff if they were returned to prison in Northern Ireland. That kind of surprised me. Would it surprise you? Say so, so the last bit again. I didn't get the last so, bit. So they basically said, we won't send you back because, you look, yeah, you've escaped from the H-blocks, but we won't send you back because you will be, quote, probable targets for ill treatment by prison staff. 
seems like they're being nice to them again. I mean... Which kind of shows that, well, I mean, they're, they're looking after them, aren't they? I think that's a bit of looking after them, isn't it? Yeah, it just shows a nice side of humanity, maybe. Kevy, Kev, Kevy, Kevy, to his mates, Kevin, Barry Art, Paul Brennan, James Smith and Terence Kirby, collectively known as the H-Block 4, Cat Sheets, this new boy band, were arrested in the US between 92 and 94. So they obviously took the new identity. And so fought- how did they get arrested in the US? Because I often wonder, in such I a wonder. big place, is there, is there police on the constant lookout for these people? Maybe there was like English people that dabbed them in. I'd say, look, I'd say it was probably the English dabbed them in. Yeah. Well, I, I guess you're always going to have infiltrators though, aren't you? Like you're yeah. always going to be in a position whereby, and especially because obviously there's there's such a huge illegal illegal Irish population in the US. Mm-hmm. You know, you get in trouble with the cop if you have information that you can give on someone else. You know, there's always that kind of bartering, bartering system. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so you never... But I mean, generally, I would have thought, like, Irish America would be fairly tight, but who knows, like, who dabbed them in? But let's yeah. just say the English. Uh, Smith was extradited back to Northern Ireland in uh, 96, returned to prison, but of course released in 98 because of the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. It was quits. Mm-hmm. Paul Brennan, who had married a US citizen, was deported from the US to uh, back to Ireland in August 2009. Wow. Yeah. I haven't heard about that. I know. Was that? It's so recent. Mm-hmm. Tony Kelly was arrested in Letterkenny, County Donegal, in 97, but was not extradited. Because, sure, look, the Donegal people aren't going to extradite not people. T- to, no, come they're, on. They're, no, why would they? Why? In 2000, the British government announced that the extradi- extradition 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 yeah requests for Brennan Art and Kirby were being withdrawn as part of the Good Friday Agreement the men officially remain fugitives but in 2003 Her Majesty's Prison Service said that they were not actively being pursued Dermot McNally who'd been living in the Republic of Ireland was tracked down in 96 and Dermot Finucane who received an amnesty in January 2002 allowed them to, allowing them to return to the north if they wished to for a bit of shopping it is yeah. cheaper up there. However, Tony McAllister was not granted a similar am- amnesty. As of th- as of 2008, two escapees, Gerard Friars and Seamus Campbell, have never been traced since the escape. Wow. Yeah. Do you reckon they're alive? I wonder. I would say so. I wonder where they are. Isn't that interesting, though? They were never tracked down. They're really good at hiding. They're really... I mean, jeez, I hope they're not still in the river, like... No, I'd imagine they... Well, probably they're in... Probably around us <laughs> somewhere here. Having your river babies. Anyway, so... <laughs> and then, of course, to look, does this surprise us? In 2003, up to 800 Republicans held a party, a little party at a hotel in Letterkenny to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the escape. And as you can imagine, De- Jeffrey Donaldson, don't know if you remember Jeffrey, described it as insensitive, inappropriate and totally unnecessary. I think they were right to have a party. You'd have to look... Oh, of course. It's like a school reunion. It's look any excuse for a reunion, but any also it was impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Leaving politics at the door, it was impressive. Yeah, things we learned: ain't no party like a Donegal party. Never accept a cup of tea from someone who's previously tried to kill you and your kind. Hundred percent. Never underestimate the power of a good. They don't pay me enough. Joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, only hide in very polluted water. Clarity is actually your enemy here. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then Irish people will always be late even when they're enabling your escape. Yeah, that's one we need to fix the whole lateness thing. Five minutes. Do you know I what? Know. I bet Could you could change everyone's life. Listen, I bet you they did a Jerry Kelly on it and they just stopped for a few ice creams. Stopped in for a Cornetto. One ice cream, guys. Four ice creams takes up too much time. They could have waited till the boys got in the back and then pulled in and bought some family packet Cornettos. I mean, they just weren't thinking. Look, again, let's just if go off and If me and you were driving that truck... We would have sorted that shit out. We wouldn't have been late. I know. Do you know what? I mean, honestly, I do have to say I would have been fucking raging at the IRA, to oh be honest. Oh my God, I'd be like, where are, the, where are they? I want to talk to them right well, now. Well, they obviously, look, they are, I'm sure a few jokes were made in Letterkenny in mm-hmm. 2003 at the party. Um, I mean, obviously, politics aside, uh, it was actually very emotional watching uh, the guard uh, talk about like his mate who had been killed and of course, died. yeah. Like, you know... It's heavy. It, it, it is, is heavy. heavy. You know? It's heavy. But I think the escape itself you would have to say impressive. Very impressive, yeah. Um, and I mean, even though there was a few mishaps along the way, you'd kind of expect that, you know? 
you can't, like, you can't even get through your day. It's never going to go to plan. Yeah, it's never going to go through. You never even get through your own day without like falling over or else forgetting something. So, <laughs> of course, the area is going to be five minutes late, you know? There's going to be traffic or there's going to be some idiot coming across the road in front of them. Oh, God, the traffic out here. Did you see the traffic out here? That's What's why I don't know. Oh, it's just city? construction everywhere. And can we talk about people just sitting on the horn? Yeah. Now, that sounded mm. terrible out of context, but you know what I mean? With yeah, the honking, yeah, of course. honking, honking. That's, that's just a sign of stress, you know? It's like, it's like, you know the way you see everyone drinking coffee now instead of tea? We should be tea drinkers. Now everyone's drinking coffee because we're just turning into a stress, stressed out city. And, and stressed I don't out think country. the coffee is helping. No, it's actually adding to the whole thing. Because maybe, maybe because we're on our phones and then we're not getting enough sleep. So then we get up in the morning and we're just getting the coffee into us. And then we get home in the evening and we can't sleep because of all the coffees. And it's a loop, you know? And then the traffic adds into that. There's more traffic all the time. People are building new buildings and apartment blocks and everything like that. And people are trying to get squeezed into the city. When I say we need to all fuck off to Longford, <laughs> down to whatever that place you said was there. Welcome to News Talk um, with Dr. Owen Colgan. But it's true. Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I love watching people. You do? Like, I, I, I have noticed that about you. Oh, I'm an awful watcher. It's, but you're right. Do you know what the honking is just coming from stress, etc.? And I think it probably is a bit of a vicious circle because mm-hmm. I don't think the coffee, coffee is helping me in my life right now. It's not. But not. what do we have in front of us, Owen? Two coffees, yeah. But I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's a habit. I know, that's my third coffee today. It's a bad habit. It is a bad habit. It's like but smoking. I, I, I love it. I love a bit of coffee. Do you? Yeah. Although then tea, I think, is a bit of, it's like a hug. Tea is more like a hug for your mouth, yeah. Yeah. But the coffee, you need you need a bit of a kick. I suppose one is fine, but I, I drink three or four coffees a day now. You're Don't out of control, though. I'm a lunatic. I should have been in that bloody... Do you know what? I maze. think if you if you... We're part of that plan. I think the truck would have been there on time. Coffee or no coffee. I'm not sure I'd agree with that, but I definitely think we would have had a good crack trying to get out anyway. <laughs> but the truck you would have had would have a bit of a laugh. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you've been such a pleasure, such a joy. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for You're having me. You're doing a tour. Doing a tour. It's called On the Dry in January. Oh, I love the name. Well, I'm trying to give up the drink, you know, and it's a battle that I'm having, um, but I'm getting there. And this year, I at the beginning of this year, I was like, I actually haven't given, I haven't, like I drink once a week and since I turned 17 I've drank at least once a week. Yeah. Which is kind of a lot of drink, you know? Yeah. Um, so then towards the end of the year I was like, how do I make my life more productive and make myself happier? And I was like, i got to give up the drink. So the last few months I read the Alan Carr book. Um, is it, was that the smoking one? No, it's the How to Control Drinking. Oh, I didn't know. He did, yeah, yeah. It's got one of smoking and drinking. the smoking one is supposed to be great because actually the Mm. one vice I never had, which is strange given my self-destructive personality, is I never smoked. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know he had one on the drinking now. He got me off the smokes and I think he's getting me off the drink. But we'll see. It'll have to come along in January. I may or may not scull a pint on stage. Well, it's it's hard over the Christmas period. It is, yeah. Like Frankie Boyle has that great joke um, where he talks about you know, the difficulty in being a Scottish alcoholic is that you live in a country where you say, I'm an alcoholic, and someone says, but it's Christmas. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There is that element. And it's the same in Ireland too. Of course. But the th- good thing about the book is that it, it sort of reframes how you see the drink. Because I was always like, if I go into a pub, I need to have at least three drinks to sort of level up. You know, to, yes. be, to be kind of like, oh, your man's a bit of crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when you have three, then you're like, well, you're going to have another few. Of course. And then you get to a point where you're like six pints in and then you're like, you're kind of almost your brain is shutting down at that point mm. so there's only like an hour window of fun and uh, I suppose drink doesn't really do anything for you when you really break it down it's a poison well, I know it's very boring but, but, but I'll make a joke is, of it in January I know but it, but it is it is a depressant as well really. it's depressant yeah like I was an emotional train wreck last week and I think that is probably because I'd just been on the piss for two days yeah yeah, like yeah. my emotions were all over the place. I did the Galway Vodafone Comedy Festival recently and um, I was I woke up on my brother's floor the day after and I was just hungover, really hungover. And I was like, oh, the fear was just on me all day. Oh my, I was just... And it, do, it does get worse as you get older. It does, yeah, yeah. Because I think the older you get, the more you think you should have your life organised. Yes. And when yeah. you're hungover in bed wallowing going, what am I doing? No. Yeah, I think I think when you're in your 20s and, you know, everyone's getting the dominoes on a mm-hmm. Sunday and yeah. we've all been in bed all day mm-hmm. and, you know, you got clamped at some point over the weekend. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh God, I have to get dressed. I have to go to this christening. I'm actually yeah. godmother. I can't miss it. Like, it's just a Responsibility. constant reminder. Completely. That sometimes maybe you haven't necessarily not that you haven't moved on with your life but I think it just makes you feel a little bit worse about your choices 
Yeah, and it feels like you've kind of you fell back into something you used to do when you were a bit younger or something. Maybe something you feel like it's immature or something. Like I ordered food the yeah. other day and I was like, felt so guilty because there was some lad driving around on a small motorbike looking for my house to give me food because I was just a fat fucker that I couldn't even put food on on the stove, you know, or the the. I heard, but cooker. it's nice when they bring it to you. Uh, it was, it was a nice Indian now, in fairness. And you know what? I scoffed what, the lot. What's your order? What's my reward? What's your order? What's my order? Yeah. What do you mean, generally? Or? Yeah, Indian order. Oh, no, I normally, the order that time is Indian, but I normally go for Thai. Oh, it can't be a bit of Thai. Like a red curry. Oh, yeah, so green or yellow. I mean, it does, it does taste that bit nicer though when it's delivered, I It find. does, yeah, yeah. I just want to, I want a new service where when the guy delivers it to the door, there's actually another service that the person brings it from the door up to the room and feeds you. Oh, I know. And then puts it in the bin. Tinkwid. Oh, I mean, wouldn't that be fab? Why not? I do think, I mean, it's probably going to happen. I, I hope say. it does, yeah. Just force feed you. Because where we're living at the moment, we it's quite sad. We can't even get a delivery mm-hmm. because we're just so in the country. But that has its own benefits because that means that you and your fella, and I won't give his name. My baby. He's a beautiful man. I love, love him to bits. But that means that you and him probably bond when you're cooking together, don't you? And listen to music and then drink wine and then whisper in each other's ears. There, I there love is, you. there is a bit of that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of I love you whispering. Well, I find uh, generally it's like you know, for me in our house, um, International Men's Day was no different from any other day mm-hmm. in that I was, you know, chopping away. I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to the cooking. You don't like um, you don't like your man in there. Well, I do, get you his know hands what? all covering carrots. Because, no, I think because I'm so used. You know, I'm 36 this year, and oh. I think I'm so I've just cooked for myself for oh, so long yeah. that you kind of have your own taste. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Um, but generally, when I'm cooking, Fred will be filming me, and I'll be on the Instagram stories, mm-hmm. and it's never when I'm at my best moment. Right, you know what you. I mean? It's yeah. just when you're pulling the baking tray out of the oven and the garlic bread has hit the floor. Maybe, maybe you're vulnerable, and you're bones. dusting it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it's always that mode. Like it's never. He's never filming me as I flip a pancake. What's that all about? Do you like, know what's what his mean? problem? What is his problem? Is Why is he doing you're that? You're right, Owen. Actually, you're right. I should stop taking this shit. I think you need to have a word with him. Love you, baby. Love you so um, much. We love Owen so much. Please go to check him out on his store. I mean, I would say check him out on Instagram, but it's a fucking joke at this stage. How many followers you have? So actually, I want to discourage people. From following you on Instagram. Because <laughs> you have too fucking many. Well, what does it mean at the end of the day? Nothing. Is it, it's Owen Colgan Fitness. Yes. And before I got to know you, I didn't realise there was an irony there. And I just thought it was all about your fitness Well, stuff. actually, yeah. I, cause, cause or is there an irony? Yeah, it's, yeah it is. It's tongue in cheek. Okay, because thank the, God. When, I, when I opened up my account, I was looking at other people's accounts and seeing yes. what they were doing. And I seen a lot of PTs or personal trainers or fitness. And I was a like... A lot of Irish fit fam. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking it'd be funny. Wouldn't it be funny if I put fitness at the end of it? But at the same time, when I tell people that, they already laugh before I explain that to them. Yeah. Like, you're, 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 you're physically so fitness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why are you laughing that quickly? It's, it's, it's a toughie, isn't it? It's a tricky one to navigate. Yeah, but they're sh- fat shaming me there, you know? But, but I thought, but I genuinely thought you were mad into fitness. I am, but, uh, you know, the older I got, the more ironic it became. Of course. I mean, it is obviously, you know, there is obviously an element of irony there, but uh, Fred had to explain that to me. I was mm-hmm. like, has he just gone full on personal trainer? No, because I used to be mad into fitness and, and exercise and all that stuff, and now I find it's easy on my body if I just make a joke about it as opposed oh, yes. to actually doing one hour circuits per day absolutely you know. well you look very fish thank you very much well I, as I said I've kind of cut down on the drink the um, drink is a big one isn't it's, it? It's, it that's a big one for the little blubber handles I call them yeah it's, um, it's the belly that's yeah, the problem with the booze it is the, isn't it it is the belly you know and like Yes, it's the belly. I don't. I want. I want to. The have, belly. The belly. I have a bit of a belly. But but you, but you look like as in you would probably do exercise. I would say and stuff. And all I that, um. You? If I get a chance, I'll do a bit of running around the place. Running's great. Running is very good for the mind, and I think the longer you go, the, the more clear your mind becomes. But yeah. half the time, then you know, I forget about doing it, or else it's it's too much stuff to be doing these days. You know what I mean? It's like it's busy. Busy. You have to get. You have to keep the videos coming. Do a bit of stand up. You have to obviously keep your relationships. Good, your family, friends, call all the people, eat, make time for yourself, breathe, yeah. read a book. The breathing is taking a lot out of me I've these been days. at it the whole time now and I'm sick of it. Oh, if another person tells me to just breathe, fuck off yeah, with the just breathe. Give me one of those fucking oxygen pumps. You're not living my life. You don't know how busy I am for breathing. Yeah, walk a mile in my lungs. Um, so Owen, it's been a pleasure. Thank so you. Owen Calkin, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Julie.
Big love. This has been Crimeland. Chat to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Crimeland. If you have enjoyed the podcast, please don't forget to review or rate us on iTunes. Uh, And by us, I mean me. And also, if you do want to subscribe to the podcast, that would be absolutely deadly. And it would mean that you never miss an episode. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.